Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Kip Herridge here with the Daily VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all have a very good day today. Uh, got a few topics to cover today. We're going to hit a little bit of uh, the Biden press conference. The clown show that this man is. Folks, if Joe Biden was any of us, and uh, of course we know why he's not being deplatformed. But anyway, if he was any of us uh, spouting the kind of misinformation, I mean, just, let's just be honest about it, right? Propaganda and lies. If any of us were doing what he's doing, we would be deplatformed, banned, whatever phrase you want to come up with, uh, from every social media platform on the planet. Uh, I, it's very difficult for me to watch his press conferences because, <laughs> first of all, he's he's coughing in his hand about every second. He's not a well man, and then he just starts with the lies, calling it once again a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What is this fool smoking? Everybody that's getting sick now is vaccinated and boosted. Wow, right? Uh, it's just, it's comical, but I also have an answer for why he's doing it. The same reason we've been lied to time and again, of course, we know this is a pandemic. You really have to be hiding under the largest rock on planet Earth to not know by now that this is a pandemic. And I'm very disappointed, frankly, I guess that's the right word, uh, in these journalists that, that refuse to go there. You see, person after person continuing to point out the inconsistencies, right? Uh, the fact that Fauci's been wrong about everything, that all of our medical experts at National Institute of Health, NIH, CDC, FDA, have been wrong constantly about all of it, right? And uh, But, but, but they suffer no consequences. So, so how is it that that happens? I'm a little off track here, but let me finish this point. How is it that this happens? Well, it's important. I think it's really important that people know this. Now, maybe a lot of people don't know this. Maybe I take it for granted. But, you know, have you read Rules for Radicals by Cloud and Pivens? Uh, Wayne talks, Wayne Root talks about this. He went to Columbia with them when they were professors there uh, in training people to be young communists. And you've seen probably, maybe you haven't, maybe, maybe you haven't. There are interviews online with ex-KGB agents Basically, what they say is this. Cloud and Pivot said it. Ex-KGB agents said it. I think it helps us to make sense of the insanity we're living through now is that the number one strategy for communists when they're attempting a takeover of a democracy is to, quote, demoralize the population with obvious lies and baseless propaganda. They do that because it drives us crazy. It makes us question everything, and it makes us realize, wait a minute, so we can't trust our media. Wait a minute, so we can't trust our government officials. That's the kind of thing that destabilizes a society. This is, a, this is the number one strategy for communists. Again, according to Cloud and Pivens, according to ex-KGB agents, the number one strategy for taking down a democracy is to demoralize the population with lies and baseless propaganda. Feels pretty familiar, doesn't it? Uh, maybe it's something we should talk about more because that is clearly what is happening right now. I will say this about Biden's pressure. I think this is good news, actually. He did say two things, and this is why I listened. Listening for hints and clues about where they're going with this, uh, the, these tyrannical lockdowns and uh, you know, w- where ultimately coronavirus is going to take us. He did say two things today I thought were uh, positively interesting. One, he admitted that Omicron is much less virulent and dangerous 
than previous strains. Good, that, that's the truth. He spoke the truth there. He also said that, you know what, our kids aren't being impacted by this. Of course, they never have been. That's nothing new, but we'll give them, we'll give them a C-plus for effort, at least for approaching the truth there, because it's right. He's right about that. Also, he said this, and I think this is kind of the biggie. He said that the same thing New York City's mayor said yesterday, no, we're not recommending a lockdown of schools and that we, st- that, we, that we take kids out of schools. That's very, very good to hear. Again, some sanity beginning to return. And for me, what that means is, I think, what we've been talking about here is that coronavirus insanity does appear to be ending. That's a very good thing. Uh, we saw it today in the markets, not NASDAQ necessarily, but all-time highs today in the Dow Jones, S&P 500. The markets actually rallied uh, as, uh, as, as Biden's pressure was going on. When I, you know, and again, we've got a big date coming up. We'll talk about this more as we get closer to it, but we are getting close to it, actually. This, uh, January the 7th, which is just three days away, we have uh, the uh, Supreme Court hearing uh, the first mandate, course, uh, mandate case. Uh, about about uh, about uh, about lockdowns about excuse me about vaccine mandates. Supreme Court hears that on January the seventh, and uh, that it's going to be closely watched. I imagine though there's been there's been a little uh, trepidation about that. Although I will tell you, the person that I listen to, and I've I've learned this over the years because he's so spot on accurate as an attorney, is Robert Barnes. Robert Barnes of Barnes Law. He's a great follow on Twitter as well and social media. And um, he, uh, I asked him this question online uh, about uh, four or five days ago, and he answered for all to see that he believes the Supreme Court is going to rule against three separate mandate cases that are appearing before them. Three separate ones. He said the Supreme Court will, will rule against all three. And again, there is no constitutional basis for these, of course. States' rights supersede federal rights on these issues. And so... Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, let's see what happens here. Again, uh, I, I, I like and trust Robert Barnes. He has not been wrong since I followed him on these big cases. He's gotten a lot of things right that I did not think were going to go the way that he said. And uh, he's, a, he's a person I believe that can be uh, trusted and as a, as a very reliable source of information from a legal point of view. Got great instincts, by the way, as to great attorney with great instincts. That's a good combination right there. Uh, but again, let's talk about the markets now. Uh, because uh, rates went up again today. Yesterday, that didn't matter. Uh, we had a, a huge move higher yesterday uh, in the face of uh, rising rates. NASDAQ today was impacted by that, although I will tell you the smart money hour was much more po- had a much more positive feel to it today, uh, as did uh, the internals. Uh, NASDAQ rallied about 120 points off the lows today. Uh, that was a good smart money hour there. Still finishing down 210 points. It's kind of giving up what it gained yesterday, uh, but uh, yesterday the big mover was the semiconductors, which is a leadership group that we follow very closely. Yesterday the semis were up 2.2% today, just down seven tenths of one percent. So this is forward progress. Uh, this is this is positivity, and I'll tell you in a second why I believe higher rates, if they're going to happen, uh, and that's what everybody is saying. Well, we've been in the minority on this. And as a contrarian, I still don't believe we're going to see sharply higher rates. But I'll tell you in just a second why if we do get those, 
it's actually a very big positive for the markets. Again, Dow Jones today up 214 points, all-time high, uh, closing at 36,799. Uh, SP500 just barely closed lower, but still hit an all-time high today, intraday, at closing at 47.93, down three points. Russ 2000, essentially flat, down three points. And again, the 10-year today, 10-year yield, now back up to 1.66% after a big 7% move higher yesterday on a percentage basis. Uh, uh, so this is two days where the 10-year has gotten legs. And again, everybody is calling uh, for higher rates. We all know that Jay Powell has said they're removing the punch bowl. As far as QE and the tapers concerned, that continues. Of course, they're still buying a lot of bonds every month as the Fed balance sheets continues to explode higher. Uh, so it's a say one thing, do another, really. Uh, but uh, as far as rate hikes, we wrote this up this morning, and we've talked about it here a fair amount, but I think it's really important to understand this. When interest rates begin to rise, that's not a negative for the market. That's actually a huge positive for the stock market. And we have a lot of cases. I'll give you three cases because there haven't been a lot of higher rate cycles, have there? Rates have only gone lower for 41 years. But we've had these intermittent periods where the Fed has raised rates. Most famously, of course, 2004-2006, the Fed's raised rates 17 straight times. Again, if you're wondering why the financial crisis, the housing cri uh, crash took place, might have had something to do with the Fed jacking rates 17 straight times over two years, right when everybody was leveraged to the hilt on mortgages and adjustable rate, especially, right? All these uh, crappy uh, real estate or mortgage products that were out there. Uh, the Federal Reserve did in the housing market. The Federal Reserve caused the financial crisis. Of course, they're behind every boom and bust cycle, every uh, crash that we've had, period. That's not me saying it. That's history saying it. Uh, then we had, of course, the uh, 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 beginning of, of higher rates that we saw take place during Trump's presidency because Obama went eight years and they only raised rates once. So we didn't have a higher rate cycle then. But we did when Trump got elected, didn't we? They raised rates eight straight times under Trump in just his first two years. Again, they love raising rates under Republicans, not so much under not so much under Democrats. Of course, that's a permanent ruling class's favorite party. Why would they hurt them? Which brings us to now. Again, they're 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 uh, Jay Powell, who's been a man of his word, by the way. Uh, he's been dead wrong on four major cases, uh, but uh, but he has been a man of his word. So we're going to give him that. They're removed. They're 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 taking away QE. That's happening. Fifteen billion dollars a month. Now they're also talking about raising rates. Now I'm going to give them one. I'm going to give them one rate increase so Jay Powell can show his face at parties because that's all they've talked about is raising rates. I don't think this is going to happen beyond that. Uh, I think at most we'll have one rate increase this year. And uh, again, it's a midterm election. They're not going to do anything to hurt. The permanent ruling class's favorite parties are really the same, aren't they? A Democrat, a lot of rhinos in that group as well, by the way. But in all of these cases, right, when, when, when they first started hiking rates in 2004, what did the stock market do? It soared higher. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to, to dot-com era because this is what I wrote, wrote up this morning, uh, a period I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty familiar with. Uh, 1995 to 2000. Uh, was a great time to be a stockbroker and financial advisor and investment banker, venture capitalist. I can tell you that. A lot of fun, a lot of excitement, a lot of gains. Uh, by the way, we had a lot of pullbacks, a lot of corrections. We had a 21% uh, bear market, actually, that took place during the dot-com belt-up that people <laughs> had just forgotten about. But 
when 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 rates started going up, okay, the ten year yield. And this is back in nineteen ninety eight. This is just before the final uh, blow off top, the moonshot of the dot com era, when the, the Nasdaq from late nineteen ninety eight to the top uh, to the end of the bull market to dot com uh, 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 from came dot com to dot bomb from end of ninety eight to the first quarter of two thousand. NASDAQ went up, <clears throat> drum roll please, 200, 278% over very 18 months essentially, okay? During that same time frame, what do you think the tenure did? People have kind of lost track of this because it was so long ago, and I know it was a different era. I know we didn't have QE then. I get all that. But structurally speaking, here's what happened. The 10-year, just as NASDAQ was taking off 278%, the 10-year yield went from a 4.1% yield to a 6.7% yield. Folks, that happened in 18 months. As NASDAQ went up 278% at the same time. You get my point here, I think. This has been well written about. This is not proprietary research on my part. It's just factually speaking accurate. Higher rates are bullish for stocks. So my mentor, Tyler covered this in detail yesterday. My mentors used to call it three steps in a stumble. So we used to call it three steps in a stumble, meaning that the markets continue to rise through at least the first three Fed rate hikes. And again, history backs that up fully. Again, we had it from .com. We had it in 2004 when they started raising rates. We had it in the Trump era when they started jacking rates in 2016. And now here we are again. But again, Biden's a Democrat. There aren't going to be aggressive rate hikes this year. I'd be shocked. And I've been well on record saying this. I'm not backing away from it now. Why would I? Uh, But the point being, we saw a big move higher in the markets yesterday as rates moved higher. I believe the markets are beginning to wake up to the fact that higher rates, early on, higher rates are extraordinarily and overwhelmingly bullish for stocks. It's an important point that we all should remember because, folks, I saw, and I'm not going to name names today, I saw two different market watchers that have been doing this a long time, okay? Not, maybe not as long as me, but in the 20 to 25-year time frame. I saw two different people today calling for a market crash, <clears throat> We at all-time highs today in the Dow and S&P 500, and they're calling for a market crash because the 10-year is at 1.66%. I mean, this is, uh, this is just goofy. It's goofy time. There's no other way to say it. And again, we could always have a black swan event. Look, I, 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 I could be wrong. Maybe they'll be right. But, but, but history tells us that market crashes do not happen when the markets are at an all-time high. It's a process, a breakdown process that evolves. Uh, when you have a series of lower lows and you have a lot of pain and terrible internals and blah, 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 and everybody's all bowled up, they're not ready for it. Does that sound like now? Because that ain't now, folks. All right, that is not now. We've got a lot of very bearish people, including longtime market watchers calling for a crash at all-time highs. It's not the way it happens. Um, but again, the point I'm trying to make here, higher rates early on, meaning probably for the next couple of years minimum, we think longer, higher rates are extraordinarily and overwhelmingly bullish for stock prices. It's a point we're not going to forget about here. 
and certainly not going to let you forget about, we'll be talking about this ad nauseum. We kind of already have, uh, but again, we're very bullish here. We're, we're still buyers of dips as they happen. And I think this NASDAQ pullback today, uh, it really was focused in the ARC names, okay? Uh, you know, uh, Kathy Wood's flagship fund, ARC ETF, the symbol there, of course, is, uh, many of you know, is ARKK. And today, that got a hit as much. It was down, at one point today, it was down 7%. I mean, remember, Kathy Wood's been the hottest thing going on Wall Street for years, okay? She started getting hit last year. Now they're targeting there are specific funds and hedge funds and, and a lot of money targeting the name she holds. They're trying to break her. They're trying to break Kathy Woods and her fund, these innovation and technology names. I don't believe it's going to happen. I think she's exactly right. We're very early in the innovation cycle, folks. I would, I would frankly, put money to work here in Kathy Woods' fund if that's what I did. I, I would recommend it. It finished down today under 5%. But again, those are the stocks that really got hit today. And here's the proof of that. Let's talk about the internals. This is a big pattern change that, that could be happening right now, and, uh, and it, it could be a very bullish pattern change. The internals for NASDAQ in the fourth quarter of last year were just awful. We talked about it day after day after day. Uh, if it weren't for about 10 stocks holding up NASDAQ, you know, the big cap, mega cap names, it would have been devastation. But we had the average stock down 30 40%. It's been brutal. There's been a lot of brutal under the surface damage has been done. You've all seen it. We've all felt it. The average stock has not gone higher, but the internals were crappy with it. Okay. Now listen to this today. I just refreshed the numbers. We'll see if this holds up. Sometimes they update late. I think this is the final read though. NASDAQ today, again, down 210 points, 1.3%. But listen to this. We had more 52-week stocks at all-time highs in NASDAQ today than lows. We had 140, just by a couple, but it's still a win. 148 stocks hit new 52 week highs to just 146 hit new 52 week lows. That's a pattern change, and it's a big pattern change. As far as advanced decline, it was negative, but, but only by about 700 issues. That's not a big deal. Nowhere close to two to one, not even close to one and a half to one. And then volume, volume was negative by $600 million worth of trading. That's it. That's just not a big deal. That's like one hour of trading. They make that up. And matter of fact, it was it was making its way to positive readings. If the market had stayed open another 30 minutes, I believe it would have been for NASDAQ. Again, NASDAQ with these kind of internals on a day down this big, there's no other way to say it. That's bullish. That is a bullish tail right there. As far as NYSE, again, mixed bag there really. Uh, the Dow was up uh, solidly. Uh, SP of 100 was just flat, we'll call it. But still, positive readings in the internals. NYSE was positive, advanced decline. Uh, by about, uh, what is that, 100, 100 issues. Uh, volume today, positive by $1.3 billion worth of trading volume. That's very good for NYSE. And also, we had 132 NYSE stocks at 52-week highs to just 49 hitting new 52-week lows. The internals today, we're giving this a bullish read, a bullish read, especially with NASDAQ being down the way it was we're looking, again, one day does not a pattern make, does not a trend change make. But we started seeing the internals begin to improve last week. It's continuing now. This is the kind of thing, this is when the internals really matter. In my, in my estimation, I'm calling this a, a, a very interesting looking, and I would say high probability to me looking, pattern change. We want to see it continue, of course, but very good to see today. In our sector watch today, of our 11 SP 500 sectors we had, Pretty much a mixed bag there, but we had some great gains today, by the way. We'll call it uh, five and six. Five, five higher, six lower. Upside was energy. 
Uh, energy up 3.4% today. XLE, energy ETF hitting a new 52-week high. As Tyler reminded me before the podcast, that's the highest level XLE has been at since October of 2018. Financials today also right at an all-time high today, up 2.6%. Again, they love, love higher yields. I don't really care for the financials, but uh, that's just me. Industrials, again, up 2%. Big move there. So big moves here to the downside. Healthcare, technology, both down just over 1%. Quiet elsewhere. Um, Okay, so we talked about Biden as presser today. I really don't like talking about that clown. But uh, again, there were some positives coming out of it as far as coronavirus insanity is concerned. We talked about higher rates being a positive for the markets. Talked about Cloud and Piven. And the number one goal is to demoralize the population. Those are really the things I wanted to focus on today. And I hope it made some sense to you because, you know, uh, I don't like it when things don't make sense. This is why we dig, right? This is why you and I, it's why we all do our research and due diligence so we can make sense of things that don't make sense. I think it's starting to come together. I think that the midterms are a huge deal. The Democrats know they're going to get smoked. It's going to be an absolute smoke show right now. They're hated. Biden's a laughing stock. They're going to get wiped out. Uh, I had uh, someone tell me the other day that the Dems are going to lose 100 seats, 100 seats in the midterms. I don't think that's probably going to happen. The record's 74, uh, but uh, that was uh, 74 was under Bill Clinton, and then Barack Obama lost 64. But I think um, I think I think you're looking at 80 seats today. If the election was today, again, we'll know they'll try to rig it. But uh, I think they had a hard time with that. By the way, in 2020, didn't they? They weren't able to rig congressional races. So let's hope that holds up. Um, But again, you're not going to see big rate increases. It's going to hurt Dems. You're not going to see more coronavirus insanity. It's just all it's doing is destroying the Dem message, and they've got to pivot. And now it looks like they are making that pivot again. I view that as a bullish event. And I also love the fact that so many people are bearish here, calling for a flat year to a down year or whatever. I just don't see it, folks. There's just too much liquidity. Corporate earnings are too strong. And this is a structural bull market of size and scope driven by long-term megatrends that should continue to take this market sharply higher. Again, it looks like a 1995 to 2000 move higher to me. That's what we've been saying. We're going to stick to that. Uh, Nothing's changed. Why why would we? Uh, Gold today in our commodity watch. Gold today, up $15 an ounce, $1,815 an ounce, just, just hanging above the 200-day moving average. We really can't get any legs, but it's still good to see with rates higher, gold moving higher. That's a good sign. Uh, silver today, up 1.2%, up 28 cents an ounce at 2309 Copper today, up a big 1.1%, getting some legs there too, 447 uh, uh, excuse me, closing today at 4.47 a pound. And oil today, again, up big, up, uh, uh, what is that, to 1.2%, up 93 cents a barrel at 77.02. Again, XLE, the energy ETF, hitting a fresh uh, 52-week high, and actually the highest level since October 2018. We're very long energy. We want that to continue here. And finally for the day, Bitcoin, up 269, right at its 200-day, actually just below a little bit, but to 46,248. Folks, again, we always appreciate you being here. Come join us full-time at VRAinsider.com. Again, VRAinsider.com. And we'll see you back here again tomorrow after the close.